Welcome to Hillside Baptist Chapel's weekly Bible study. Please join Dr. Steve Wood every week where we can all collectively grasp a better understanding of God through His Word. This podcast will be published every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Contact information is as follows. Dr. Steve Wood, Pastor, phone or message at 6438-6541, email at Steve rwood002 at gmail.com. Prayer requests can be sent directly to HBC Prayer List 2020 at gmail.com. Good evening, church family. Thank you for joining us tonight for our Wednesday evening Bible study. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for your prayers. And uh, tonight we're going to begin a study of the book of 2 Corinthians. We finished with the book of 1 Corinthians, and uh, tonight we uh, begin in 1 Corinthians. We'll be reading verses 1 through 6 from chapter 1 in just a moment. And so if you'd like to turn there, uh, then uh, we'll be ready to read that in uh, just a few minutes. But, you know, the church ought to be a place where people find comfort. The name of the message tonight is Comfort One Another. And that's what the church is supposed to be. It's supposed to be a place of comfort. It's supposed to be a place where people can uh, get help. People can uh, feel wanted and needed. And there should be a fellowship among the people. Speaking of fellowship, we're thankful that uh, we had uh, a good group of people uh, come to our home uh, last Saturday and and, uh, enjoy our open house here at the Parsonage, and um, we appreciate you being here. And uh, we felt comfort, me and Wanda, (laughs) as you came. But the church ought to be a comforting place. People who are part of this church family need comforting from time to time. All of us do, but they are not the only ones. You open the doors of the church, walk outside, there's a hurting world out there that needs comforting. And sometimes when we offer God's comfort, when we offer help to these individuals, they're able to open their eyes to their need for the Lord, their need for His salvation. And uh, so as uh, people are looking for comfort, comfort, you know, they're not going to get it in government. They're not going to get it in their employer even most of the time. They're not going to find it at the bottom of a bottle of alcohol or getting high on some other substance. God is the source of all comfort. And he uses you and me to comfort each other. In Romans 15, 5, in the New King James Version, the Apostle Paul tells us, Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another according to Christ Jesus. So this verse tells us about comforting one another, and so does it in the book of 1 Corinthians. I mean, 2 Corinthians, excuse me. And we need to understand how this works because I believe that we're going to be practicing this a whole lot more as time goes on. If you didn't practice comforting in 2020, 
or the first half of 2021, don't worry. I believe that you will have plenty of opportunity in the rest of this year and probably the next and so on until the Lord comes again. So you and I need to know how this works. How can I comfort you? Where do I get what it takes to be a comfort to you? God is going to tell us. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God in Corinth, together with all his holy people throughout Achaia, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the suffering of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patience, endurance of the same suffering we suffer. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word tonight. Help us to look at it a little closer and maybe understand a little bit more about how we can be a comfort to one another as you have comforted us. And I pray that your blessings would be upon those that are under the sound of my voice tonight. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. There's no comfort apart from God. He is the God of all comfort. Did you notice that? All comfort. Not just part of it comes from God, but all comfort really comes from God. If I want to comfort someone, I have to get into what God is doing because he is the God of all comfort. Verse 3 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. Wanda and I buy our food from Pricemart and other places, Super Baru and so on. But I can't say that Pricemart feeds my family. I know that they buy what they sell from a distributor and farmers, but I cannot say that the distributors and the farmers feed my family. I know, although the farmer plants the seed, it is God who gives the increase. If I go back to the ultimate feed, uh, ultimate person who feeds my family, it's God. But if that abundant comfort is flowing, then the believer of that comfort, the believer that gives that comfort, must get that comfort from God. It's passed on from him. You see what I'm saying? Just like God gives the fruits and vegetables and so forth that we buy in the grocery store, and that's how we feed our family. So it is that, that God gives the comfort that we can pass on to others. We ought to comfort one another. We ought to be a blessing to one another. 
We ought to be people that would think about how we can be there for one another and help one another. The Apostle Paul put it this way. God is the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. Think about the word Father. If you go to a biography, if you go to biography.com and you look up Alexander Graham Bell, and the first sentence reads, Alexander Graham Bell, father of the telephone. Now, what does that mean? Well, it means that he produced the first telephone. It originated with him. Just like comfort originates with God. It does not originate in any other place. It does not come from anything else. So what does that mean to me that comfort originates with God? Anytime I have been treated kindly, helped in some way, shown compassion, befriended, it came from God. It doesn't matter where it came from, from the individual that showed me friendship or showed me compassion or helped me in some way. When the right person came along that gave me that, it actually came from God, whether that individual was even a believer or not. You see, God was responsible for bringing that person in my life. God was responsible for helping me in that particular time of need. That was God. We need to start seeing with our spiritual eyes, anytime that we are given comfort, it is God that's doing it. And we need to start seeing with our spiritual eyes that anytime that we are sharing comfort to someone else, God is using us to bring that. We're just a channel that God is using to bring that comfort to someone else. Comfort is a God thing, not a man thing. Men and women are able to do that because we're following the Lord. You remember when the first man and the first woman were in the garden and they were forbidden to eat of the tree of life. I'm sorry, the, the uh, tree of knowledge of good and evil. And <coughs> they ate of it anyway. And then they had to appear before God. And instead of giving one another comfort, what did they do? They both threw each other under the bus, so to speak, as we would say today. Remember, if I'm getting comforted or if I'm giving comfort, God is there because he is the source of that comfort. Today, I'm so thankful that God's comfort doesn't have any expiration clauses. God says he comforts us in all our troubles. When I was growing up, my best friend, my cousin Leonard, I believe we invented new ways to get into trouble, but I cannot tell you how many times we would desert one another 
Because when our parents found out we did something, at that point, it became every man for himself or every boy for himself. Today, I'm so glad that God does not bail out on me. No matter what type of trouble I may find myself in, he's there. It says, who comforts us in all our troubles. Which is, if you think about it, really something hard to grasp. Anything we face, any problems that we have, he's there for us. Now, I can understand God comforting me when the world comes against me. In fact, you and I would rally around someone who got in a bad deal from maybe their employer, maybe something that they didn't deserve at all, but, uh, and maybe they got fired. Maybe they got a demotion. Maybe uh, this employer docked their pay whatever it may have been. And, and we knew that this wasn't their fault. It was just a bad deal. And we would rally around them, wouldn't we? Or someone who got a bad verdict in a court decision, and we knew that individual was innocent. Or their landlord showed no mercy during a tough financial stretch. It seems natural for us to just rally around one another and comfort one another and help one another in cases like that. I can understand God comforting me when people start coming against me, maybe, or someone in my family begins to hurt me and my wife. You know how terrible it is when a family starts turning against one another. They accuse them of something, and before long, everyone in the family knows about it and points a guilty finger at the individual who was doing that which they should not have done. And it makes you feel like an outcast. And those of us on the outside watching this come to the comfort and aid of those who are attacked. It seems natural to comfort each other as they're being treated poorly in a family, in a job, in anything that they face as they go through life. What I can under, understand is that God can give comfort and He can give help when it's my fault, when I've really done something wrong, when... I'm the one that caused the problem. Do I create my own troubles? Sometimes I do, don't I? It is almost natural for us to not want to comfort someone who has created their own problems. We even have an expression to justify not extending them comfort. He made his own bed, let him lie in it. Remember that phrase? You got yourself in this mess. Now you can get yourself out of it. <laughs> Remember that? So we make excuses, as it were, for ourselves not to comfort one another, not to help one another. But as I read my Bible, God came to the comfort of those who had created their own problems. 
Now, we talked about Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Let's go back to them. As we talked about Adam and Eve, God killed an animal to provide skins for Adam and Eve's covering of their nakedness as they became aware of their sin. God marked Cain so that anyone who saw him would not kill him after Cain had murdered Abel to Lot. He sent angels to remove his family from the city before he destroyed it after Lot made the wrong choices, as it were, to settle his family in that wicked city. And I can go on and on. Time after time, God comforted, God helped individuals after they had caused their own problems. Remember, God is the source of all comfort. And he comforts us in all situations. My troubles are training lessons designed by God for the purpose of teaching me to minister to you. Should I read that again? Listen to what it says. My troubles are training lessons designed by God for the purpose of teaching me to minister to you. Notice verse 4. So that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. Picture what is happening here. God has all this comfort originating from Him, and He wants to use it every which way that He can. But He does not want to hoard the blessing for Himself. He wants to share it with His children, you and me. But since comfort is foreign to us, apart from God, remember Adam and Eve? They had a chance to show comfort and instead, they blamed each other. We have to experience God's comfort in our lives so that we can pass it on to those in need of it. Now, when I have troubles in my life, no matter the source, God can do two things. First, and the one we usually want more than the other, is that God simply removes the problem removes that thing from our lives that's causing our hurt. But how does, let's say, Dale benefit from God removing my problem? How does Linda benefit from God removing my problem? Well, they don't really, do they? I benefit, but they don't. But let's say God decides not to remove the troubles from me. But he promises me to give me the comfort, the help, the patience, whatever is needed to deal with my problem. Because we just read, he comforts us in all our troubles. See, there's sometimes when the trouble's not removed, it's still there. He gives us what we need to deal with that particular trouble, that problem. Now, does he just give me enough just to cover my problem? No, a verse of scripture we used a lot recently in Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able 
to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. So God gives me an abundant amount of what I need so much that I can share some of that with Dale and Linda. And I'll just pick them out. You understand. I'm, uh, they're my neighbors here. So I have been blessed. Dale has been blessed. Linda has been blessed. More people have been blessed because God did not remove my trouble from me but gave me grace to handle my problem. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying in verses 5 and 6. For just as the suffering of Christ flows over into our lives, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patience and endurance. Of the same suffering, we suffer. What I must be careful of is receiving the comfort of God, but then not only receiving it, but sharing it with others. How do we not share it? Not being in fellowship with one another. If I'm at church, but you're at home, we're not sharing each other's fellowship, are we? Another way not to share the comfort that God has to let sin get in the way. Sin draws me to myself. The first thing Adam and Eve did was hide. Remember that when they sinned? If I am in sin, I don't want to be around other Christians. And I'm not, I'm not able to help them when I'm running away from God. But oh, if that abundant comfort is flowing, then the believer, believers of our church are being blessed by God. We ought to comfort one another. Remember these verses as you think about trouble that you might have, problems that you're facing. Remember, God wants to comfort you. He wants to help you that you might be a help to somebody else. Father, thank you for these verses. I pray that you would bless them as they go forth to those that are listening tonight. And I pray your blessings on our church. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stay tuned for a short weekly editorial with Face to Face with Dr. Fred. Good evening. My friend died suddenly. Bob Gregory. He was a year older than I. He had a very high intellect. And he was a war hero as a U.S. Navy officer. And he loved dogs. And he was a writer. And I knew him as a writer. He wrote numerous things, but he would never get anything published. And the colonel and I always tried to get him, go ahead and, and get this published, but he never did. I have about 20 of his writings, and every one of them are fantastic. 
I'm a good writer. He's a great writer. And, but he's gone now. Listen what he wrote. He said, I, and, quote, and I have left unsaid the things I wanted him to know. You know, that's all of us. That day is going to come. Not to elaborate on the obvious, but only to say that time is too short for all of us. And when there is no time left, it's over. And we can't go back and unring the bell, you might say. This is probably true with even Methuselah, the oldest man who ever lived. He lived 969 years. And then gradually, and then suddenly, it was over. As the Word of God in Hebrew says, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. And no doubt all of us have heard that over and over and over again. Once to die, but after this, the judgment. My brother Frank and I, when we were kids, go to the newspaper and, and read Ogden Nash's poems. And that was in Wichita, Kansas. Every week, Ogden Nash would have a poem. And I can remember, I was very young, maybe I was seven or eight years old, when he wrote this, and for some reason, through the years, I have always uh, heard about that in my mind. I didn't know all of this, but I'm going to read what he wrote that one day that it came out in the paper. People expect old men to die. They do not really mourn old men. Old men are different. People look at them with eyes that wonder when. People watch with unshocked eyes. But the old men know when an old man dies. Yes. Old men know when old men die. I've counted an uh, old man in my own mind 15 years older than I, which now would put me saying an old man is 101 years old. But when Bob Gregory was one year older than I. It made me to think about Ogden Nash's words, but old men know when old men die. There, three weeks ago, Bob Gregory came to our church. Hey, Bob, I have your name in my book. Bob said, what for? And I told him, and so we talked about it. And we chatted for a moment, and that was the last conversation I had with Bob. 
So you never know when that's going to be. I'm not doing the negative thing. I'm just saying this is still positive for all of us because we're still alive and we can still do those things that we know we need to do. And some may be listening to this and never trusted Jesus, always putting it off. Oh, listen, time is short and we need to know that. And in Revelation 21, 27, And there shall be in no wise enter into anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh ab abomination, or maketh a lie. But they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. Well, it's not my book that would do any good for anyone on that. It's the Word of God. It's the Lamb's book of life. Is it written down? Is it written down your name in the Lamb's book of life? Trusting Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, will split the sky one day, coming back for those that are there, or is appointed unto man once to die, but after this, the judgment. Is my name written there on those pages bright and fair? Is my name written in the book of life? If you want to be up there, then down here you must prepare. And your name must be in the book of life. Get down on your knees and pray, you from sin must turn away. Or your name won't be in the book of life. Jesus now at his feet just humbly bow Then your name will be in the book of life Don't you know that Christ was sent That from sin you could repent So your name could be in the book of life You will have a great surprise If you fail to recognize that your name must be in the book of life Get down on your knees and pray You from sin must turn away Or your name won't be in the book of life Don't delay and don't forget That from sin you must repent Then your name will be in the book of life Is my name written in the book of Contact information is as follows. Dr. Steve Wood, Pastor, phone or message at 6438-6541, email at stevewood 2 at gmail.com. Prayer requests can be sent directly to hbcprayerlist2020 at gmail.com. Thank you and God bless.